Um, I said, I, I just feel uh, inclined to share too. I said this first service, uh, but I, I love being in here in this place. I love that it's called an equipping center. Uh, I just think it's such a great title for a building, such a good name for a building. And I have so many memories in this room over the years. And this morning I was, I felt so drawn to the windows again, just looking outside, letting the sun hit my face. And I love, I remember being here once years and years ago when we didn't live here, but we were passing through and we were in some kind of a gathering like this and uh, just worshiping, looking out over the mountains. And uh, it was just so cool this morning to, to go there and look out at Pioneer and Matanuska, but then in the foreground is this building that signifies so much, and uh, it was just, I'm just feeling thankful. It's, it's great. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming this morning in this, in this strange and weird place that we're in. I was supposed to speak this morning on a specific topic. We're in the midst of uh, working our way through the way of Jesus which, you know, we're going to do efficiently. We're going to go ahead and wrap out all, everything about Jesus here in another month or so. Then we'll be good. I don't know what we'll do after that. We'll be, we've covered all of Jesus. Uh, that's a joke. Uh, we've been talking about being with Jesus. Uh, we're in the midst now of talking about what it looks like to become like Jesus and then working our way into maybe even possibly doing some of what Jesus did. And I love this. I mean, it feels almost uh, kind of weird to say, but just centering on the person of Jesus. Uh, I just love to do so much. My quiet times with the Lord have been so reinvented over the years, but one thing that I've tried to stick to in the scriptures is just to always be in the gospels in some form or fashion. Sometimes I've just, you know, I'm reading slowly through one specific book. Sometimes I'll read just the red letters. I'm going to talk a lot this morning out of John 13 to 17, which is one of my favorite places to camp out. And uh, I just think it's so good for us to come back to the person of Christ and remember what all of this circulates around and why any of us are in this room right now, why we have any kind of hope, why the church exists. Uh, so it's just, a, it's just a joy to center on Jesus again today. I was scheduled to talk about discerning the Holy Spirit as part of becoming like Jesus, this being such a core aspect of Jesus' life. And I thought, you know, with everything going on, I'm like, should we be changing something? Should we, should we, you know, prepare something else? And the more I lingered on it, I just thought, man, I actually don't know if there's a better topic than like, than discerning Holy Spirit, learning to hear his voice, than recognizing his power and his presence and his peace. And so if you guys are up for it, we're just going to go as planned, you know? And thank Holy Spirit for the way that he divinely orchestrates these type of things. So as we get into it here, you know, we, we talk a lot about Holy Spirit. We talk a lot about Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. But I, I don't know sometimes that we fully realize what we're talking about. You know, the way it was for the disciples in living everyday life around Jesus. They would have very much understood Jesus as, as a man, as a human. But as the Gospels show, they had a pretty tough time getting their heads around Jesus as God. That was not uh, an understanding that came quickly to them. Uh, it was something that they really wrestled with all the way to the end. For us, though, it tends to be the opposite, right? We, we start with Jesus as God. We kind of have that part down. But accessing Jesus' humanity can be really challenging for us. Or Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I'm going to go ahead and assume it's the same for you. 
Uh, and, and this idea of Jesus actually being full of Holy Spirit as a man and coming even into his consciousness of his godness is some kind of mystery that's far beyond me. Uh, I, I can't wait to get some of those answers uh, one day. But um, this morning, what I want to do is just, again, freshly and specifically through the lens of Jesus and the, and the ways that he described the Holy Spirit, I want to reintroduce you to the Holy Spirit. All right, that's the first thing we're going to do today. And then the second thing I want to do is just give you some simple tools to grow in discerning his voice and his presence. I was remembering uh, a story from when I was probably about seven or eight one of my first uh, moments of encountering or realizing the power of Holy Spirit. And my family was working out at Little Beaver, uh, Little Beaver Lake Retreat Center. I don't know what they call it these days, Little Beaver. Uh, but uh, there's a Little Beaver out there. He's been out there for decades. It's crazy. Everybody goes. A really lame joke. Um, and, uh, and, we were out there. I think my dad was doing the recreation activities. They called him Jerry the Wreck. And, uh, and he came up to me uh, in the middle of the week once, one afternoon. He said, hey, bud, I, I got to run home. Do you want to you come with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. Because um, he promised me McDonald's. And I was like, that's good for me. We never get to go to McDonald's. And uh, anyway, we, we were going home. And I was going, and, and it hit me like, this is really strange, you know, to drive this 30, 40 minutes back home. Like, Dad, why do you want to, why do you want to go home? And, and he just, he, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was something to the effect of, like, I just kind of, I kind of feel like we're supposed to. And um, so I'm like, whatever. And we pulled into our subdivision, into, uh, into the street, and there was a truck that was pulled over on the side of the road right there. And we had a dog at the time, and he had managed to dig a hole through his, uh, through his kennel, the fence there, and had gotten out and had just been hit by this truck. And he was on the side of the road. And it, he, was, he was okay, but his, you know, his leg was broken, or maybe both his legs. And we, it literally would have happened just seconds before we, we pulled in. And I remember my dad picking up our dog, and we're driving to the vet. And I remember it hitting me like, if we wouldn't have been here right now, then you know, our, then the dog may not even be alive. Or I don't know what would have happened. Uh, and, it, and something struck me of my dad heard something, something, uh, something you know, uh, urged him to leave the norms of whatever situation he was in and go home. Uh, and I began to realize, like, man, my, my dad hears God. And this kind of changes everything. And in my own life and getting to know the Father, and getting to know the person of Jesus, and, and ultimately getting to know the friendship of the Holy Spirit, I don't know that anything in my life has been more transformative than that journey into hearing his voice, and knowing his presence, and, and listening, and then obeying. I have to say, more than, more than anything, you know, in recent years especially, the Lord has been speaking to me a lot about the superiority of obedience over sacrifice. And no matter what I can do with my life, you know, it means nothing if I'm not hearing and being obedient to what God is telling me. And it's why I can have such a generous economy in God to know that something he might be instructing you to do and what obedience looks like to you might be very different than it does for me, right? And we have to see each other with, this, uh, with that generous outlook as well. So 
I want to just kind of give you a crash course on what Jesus, humanity, full of Holy Spirit looked like. And I just do this to kind of overwhelm you for a second. These are just descriptions of what Jesus actually accomplished in Holy Spirit. All right? These are just a bunch of uh, references taken from the Gospels. So Jesus was conceived in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was baptized and justified by the Spirit, anointed by the Spirit for his ministry. He was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Dennis talked about that last week and, and what, ha- what occurred in the midst of that fasting. It enabled, Jesus' healing miracles were enabled by the Holy Spirit. Even when it came to his death, he offered himself up to death by the Spirit. He was resurrected and made alive by the Spirit. And even down to the Great Commission and his ascension, Jesus commanded his disciples to wait for his promise of the Holy Spirit and the power that would come with it. So you have a human Jesus emptying himself of godness and being full of the Holy Spirit at every stage of his 33 years on the earth. And at that last meal, you know, with his disciples in his last moments, he takes, I mentioned it before, John 13 through 17, he takes a bunch of time to kind of give his final words to his disciples. And a lot of what he instructs them about is the Holy Spirit. And there's one key phrase, key verse that always gets me in this passage. This is John 16, verse 7. He says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Do you ever breathe this verse in and go, seriously? Like, it, it's, it's better. I mean, I know you're enjoying me right here, right now, staring at me up here. My wife tells me I'm very good looking. But I would think that it'd be more advantageous if Jesus was here talking to you, right? In the flesh, right? And yet there's something, and I'm, I'm not saying this all comes back to Nathan Chud. I'm saying there's something that Jesus is instructing to his disciples saying, no, actually the good stuff takes off after I go. And can, can you imagine being one of the disciples and going, I don't know that I agree with that, Jesus, right? Everything else you're saying seems pretty good, but like, why would it be to our advantage, right? But there is something of the Holy Spirit. There is a key to the essence of the gospel that's found in the Holy Spirit. And there is you, you know, Jesus talking to Nicodemus talks about everyone being born of the Spirit. There's something in you as a, as a believer, as a follower, a surrendered life to Jesus that is born of the Spirit. And yet there's something in the way of baptism as well, right? I'm not going to go down this long theological road right now. But there's also something about this waiting and this anointing, this this tangible presence of Jesus that changes things, right? And there's something about the greater things that are made possible by his presence. So it begs the question like, well, well, who was Holy Spirit, right? I have something in my notes here that I scribbled, I think, late last night and I can't read. Now I'm just fascinated. I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted here. It was a pen that was running out of ink. It's probably going to be the height of this whole teaching, but we're just going to miss it. Uh, So Jesus talked about Holy Spirit a lot in this stretch of Scripture, right? And we have a lot of great teaching about the Holy Spirit throughout the New Testament. Paul has some amazing teaching. We have this list of the fruits of the Spirit that, that are kind of the evidence of the presence of Holy Spirit, right? Dennis had us pray this morning out of that passage in Timothy of the kind of Spirit that God's given us. But Jesus 
talks a lot about the Holy Spirit in these couple chapters. And because we're talking about becoming like Jesus, I think it's important to found ourselves again in Jesus' definition and description of Holy Spirit. So again, just to kind of overwhelm you, I'm going to give you a bullet point list here. These are all things that Jesus described of the Holy Spirit uh, in John 13 to 17. He said he was a helper, a comforter, a counselor, an advocate. And those are all different translations right, of that same idea. He said he would abide with us forever. He called him the spirit of truth. It would guide us into truth. That he would be a teacher, a reminder of the things that Jesus said from the Father. Again, testifying of Jesus. And he's one who convicts. The Holy Spirit convicts. He tells us of things to come. And he glorifies Jesus. And this is just kind of a, a smattering of this passage in the way of some of you. Um, but, it's, but it's a phenomenal way for us to begin to recenter and, and redefine who the Holy Spirit is to us. And when it comes to discerning what is and isn't Holy Spirit, well, I think a really simple way to do that is to, if you make this list actionable, right, with some of these questions, it becomes a really easy way to kind of go, okay, what is and isn't Holy Spirit? So if you hear something come into your consciousness like, oh my gosh, you're such a failure, well, go through this little list of questions just taken from Jesus' description of Holy Spirit, right? Is that helpful? To think that I'm a failure? No? Well, that might not be Holy Spirit, right? Is it comforting? Is it good counsel, right? Does this sound like Jesus? This one is especially important, right? Is it convicting and not condemning? Because Holy Spirit can hurt so good, right? You, you the, like the best, my best moments in Holy Spirit have come when I feel equally comforted and convicted, right? And that's the way he comes with it. It's that like, oh, that, yeah, you're so right, right? right, And it leads you in that place. But you know you're loved at the same time. I was disciplining my son yesterday, which is always so fun. And it was such an intense moment. And he's like yelling. And uh, I'm like, how do I do this with the comfort and conviction of Holy Spirit, right? And we're literally, I'm, I'm holding him. And, I'm, and we're just saying together, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. The Lord knows we both need you right now, right? <laughs> um, so you make this list actionable. That's the idea. I also remember this time where someone talked to me about this concept of the, what's called the Wesleyan quadrilateral, all right? And some of you just fell asleep right, right now. I'm going to say, enjoy your nap, and I'll be back in two minutes, all right? But, uh, but this, is, this is just an interesting idea. So Wesley, John Wesley, as he was kind of wading through, you know, different theological ideas that were rising in, in his time, he came up with this quadrilateral combined of these different ideas. So you have the traditions, right, that have come through the years, uh, people that have gone before you, uh, your elders, and, and your elders' elders, right? Uh, I know as I've gotten older, I've come to uh, value more and more tradition. I think of when I became a dad and the way that I suddenly so much made sense about my parents, right, and some of the decisions they made. He talks about scripture and you can see here the way that it's structured. You have everything kind of falling under the authority and the standard of Scripture. I love how Bill Johnson talks about us being defined not by our experience, but by the standard of Scripture, right? And yet, in the same breath, you know, your experiences aren't to just be thrown away. These are powerful things to go through in God. 
Similarly, your reason. You know, we can get so hyper-spiritual sometimes that we end up just getting rid of common sense. And I just want to say, like, you, you don't have to. Like, your life in Holy Spirit is going to be crazy at times, and it's going to be very subtle at times. It's going to be very normal at times. And it probably should be both. If you don't have one or the other, maybe you need to reorient a little bit, all right? Because if you're going to become like Jesus, you're going to do things in, very, in that salt and light, that kind of subtle, yeastful way, right? But then you're also going to be a little crazy at times. It just comes with the territory, all right? Uh, especially when you invite Holy Spirit. And I'll just, I'm not going to elaborate on this, but the danger, and this isn't my summary. I found this online. If you hate it, just blame the internet, Okay. What happens is sometimes different denominations end up taking up one of these to the neglect of the other ones. And I just go, I, I want it all. And when I look at the life of Jesus, I see it all, right? I, I see him. I mean, his, the way that he was so rooted in his cultural traditions brought such power to the ways that he actually then enacted the fulfillment of those, of those laws, right? His devotion to the scripture, uh, the, his own experience, you know, again, Jesus said uh, that we would do greater things than even he did. So some of our experiences are going to begin defining some of this. A dream like something that Mariah brought to our, our church family ends up being so informative, right? This is the present tense reality of God. We want all of this stuff. We want the reason we want to love God with our whole mind. This is not bad, right? Especially in the midst of like this virus and this pandemic right now. We can be defined by fear. We can be defined by fearlessness as well, right? And, and I think it's just okay to say, hey, there are medical professionals that really know their stuff. And it's not me not following Jesus to say, hey, they, they understand certain things that I don't. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt there. And at the same time, I'm not going to be defined by fear because that doesn't align with my experience in Jesus as well, right? That doesn't align with my scriptures, and yet you have all throughout, you know, the New Testament, you have these moments where Luke as a physician is giving very practical advice, right? There is room in Holy Spirit and in discerning Holy Spirit for all of these different aspects. The scary thing is how much we can accomplish without Holy Spirit. You hear me? And in times like this, this is a, a question that I keep thinking about. You know, I'm a teacher and I'm going to be back at school soon uh, with my fellow teachers and educators, and I'm going, what is defining me? What distinguishes me from my fellow teachers, right? What distinguishes me as a follower of Jesus from someone who's not? And I think uh, back to, again, I don't know if it's folklore, if it's an actual story anymore. I've heard it so many times, but there's this story of a, of a Chinese Christian, I think a pastor who came to America and surveyed America's churches and came to this grand conclusion where he said, you know, it's amazing how much the Western church can accomplish without Holy Spirit. And it just, every time I think of it, it like pierces me and I go, man, there is so much that can be accomplished without the presence of God. And yet, is it worthwhile? And it leads me back to, you know, the story in Exodus 33 where Moses is wrestling with God about whether or not God is going to deliver them to the promised land and what that promise is going to look like. You pick up at verse 1 of Exodus 33, and God says to Moses, Now go, get on your way from here, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Head for the land which I promised. But FYI, I won't be with you in person. 
And isn't it exactly? That's how we should read it. What? Say what? Because it, it, it has to mess with our theology a little bit when we go, wait, wait, wait. So I could get the promise. I could even reach, maybe I could even reach a certain amount of my destiny because of God's faithfulness. And yet I could do it without him. And you see Moses going like, man, I am not up for this. Like, yeah, we could get to the promised land. Everything in our entire story as a people up to this point has been hinging on this, this entering of the promised land. But Moses goes, uh-uh, there's no way. And they're, they're talking this out. We'll pick up in verse 15. Moses says, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, call this trip off right now. How else will it be known that you're with me in this, with me and your people? Are you traveling with us or not? How else will we know that we're special? I and your people, among all the people on this planet Earth. Some of your translations will say, what else will distinguish us unless your presence is with us? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> we need the, the presence of God. We need Holy Spirit in our midst, in our lives, and we need to be able to discern what he is into and not into. Marissa and I were helping to pastor a church in Kansas City years ago, and it was in the thick of summer, and I had been really rocked by this particular passage, and I had written a song out of it, and I was leading worship at this church, and we're singing this, uh, the chorus of this song, which is just a series of, an of questions to God, and it's saying, what else will establish us? What else sets us apart? What else will distinguish us unless you are? And, and we got stuck on it. We were singing for a long time this refrain, and, and the presence of God was just really strong in the room. And like I said, it's the thickest summer in the Midwest heat, so the air conditioner is just blasting. And I hit that last chord and finished that song, literally the last note, and the air conditioning, it was really loud in this building. It just goes, and the lights go off. The power in the whole building went off. And you could not get to the floor quick enough, right? Everyone in the place, just the, the fear of the Lord was there. And, and this realization that what, what else is going to distinguish us but the power of Holy Spirit. And it became such this marking point, right, for, for me and for us as, as friends. Uh, and, and as time has gone on, I've just, I've learned this lesson over and over again, right? Like I said I don't know that anything has been more transformative to my discipleship than this lesson. And, and, and it, it, the fact is, becoming like Jesus is going to lead to moments like this where, where he's actually breaking in in extravagant ways, uh, in, in kind of mind-blowing, mind-bending ways, and also in the still small ways, all right? More recently, one of the themes that Holy Spirit has really been guiding my family into is about rest and, and living and, and working out of rest. Uh, and I've shared this uh, with the Northgate family a number of times in different ways, but one of the things that we've begun exploring with uh, and felt really invited into from Holy Spirit was to, to wade into the idea of Sabbath. And so we've been taking a Friday night to a Saturday night to, to shut down uh, in certain respects. So the way that we do it, we've, we stole some ideas from people who are deeper into this. And we, on Friday night, my wife makes this big chocolate chip cookie in a skillet. And we gather around the dining table. And we, uh, we, we put the, the big chocolate chip cookie there in the middle. And 
we sing this Sabbath prayer that we came up with, and it goes like this. I'll sing it for you. Uh, I have a lot of little songs with my boys. You, it, my brother makes fun of me uh, in good ways, in loving ways. That's what brothers do. Um, but we say, uh, we remember how you rested, and we want to be like you. So when we're tired and we're tested, may you find us to be true. And then we all together sing. So we slow down and we breathe deep. And then we do a big breath. Let's actually do a big breath together. And then we sing. Because when we look around, we have all we need. And that's the moment where I tear up almost every time because we're looking at each other in the eyes. And my two-year-old's going like, huh? And then we sing, hear our Sabbath prayer, make us more aware. Thank you for the love we share. And then Marissa digs into this vanilla ice cream and dumps it on top of the cookie, and we just all go nuts, right? <laughs> we all have our individual spoons, and, and the idea is to kind of like debrief the week together and just reflect and be thankful, which is really interesting with a five, three, and two-year-old. It's a lot of thankfulness for the cookie. Uh, but... Uh, and then we, we turn off our phones for 24 hours, uh, which, is, which has been so amazing. It's amazing how I begin to look forward to it the more we get into it. Uh, and, we, and we just, we don't do much. We, we make sure we get outside as a family, that we take in creation, uh, and we rest, we worship, we read. I take a nap every, every Sabbath uh, with, my, with my three-year-old, which is by far the best moment of it all. Uh, He's the, he's the snuggable one. The other ones are snuggable. <clears throat> They're not streaming this. It's okay. But, uh, but I, uh, oh, they are? Oh, sorry, but you're all snuggable, boys. <laughs> I have no favorites. Um, the, uh, what am I talking about? So we, uh, so this has been just a really powerful thing for our family as of late. It's been something that Holy Spirit has guided us into, right? And I'm not uh, offering it to you as a theological mandate, all right? I'm just saying this has been something that Holy Spirit's uh, invited us into, and it's been super powerful for us. So uh, I, I think last week or maybe the week before, some stuff started going on. First, it was our furnace stopped working. So it was getting really cold in the house, and it took us a while to realize that the furnace was off. And we were able to get it fixed, but it was just kind of like, huh. And then our garage door stopped working, and it was like, well, that's annoying. And then randomly our microwave just shut off. And then uh, my wife started dealing with some health stuff where she massive loss of energy. And we're just kind of like plugging along going, ah, this stuff, like blah, 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 blah. And then Friday night, we're coming home for Sabbath. We pull in the garage, and the car literally dies right there once I park it. I'm like, that didn't sound right as I turned off the engine. And I tried to turn it back on, nothing. And so I'm like, man, bummer. But we, like, we come in, we, we close out the evening, get the boys in bed, and Marissa and I just, she comes out from actually our youngest bedroom, and I'm, I'm pacing in the living room like, what is going on? Like, what are you doing, Holy Spirit? And kind of one of these, like, okay, we're paying attention. What are you, what are you saying? Uh, very much back to that moment in Kansas City years ago, the power shutting off, you know? And I begin piecing this list together. And we just begin to feel the Lord speaking to us about the need for his presence and power in our lives afresh. And we pray. And one of the ways that 
God speaks to me often is through portions of scripture. So I'll literally get a scripture reference and go there. It's a way that we've developed this communion over the years. And so we're waiting on the Lord and we're like, what are you saying? And I, I hear this reference, Isaiah 58, verse 13. And so I go there and I read it to Myrrh. And it says, if you keep your feet from baking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, you honor it, da, 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 then you'll find joy in the Lord. So long story short, I'm like, the first thing I said when the car died, I was like, well, that ruins Sabbath. I'm going to have to go figure this out tomorrow. But when we pray, I just sense God saying, like, honor the Sabbath. Right? And again, I'm not trying to make a big theological statement about the Sabbath itself. Uh, I'm just saying this is what God is speaking to us in the moment. So we go, okay, well, we're going to let tomorrow be. We're going to enjoy the Sabbath. And so we did. We, we rested. We played. I napped, right? Read a little novel. And that night, Sabbath ends. The boys go to sleep. And I go, I'm going to go out to the garage and at least get the manual and look at some possibilities that it could be in the car. But I, I popped the hood. And I, I know nothing about cars. Anyone who knows me, my wife, if she was here, she'd be like, amen. Uh, I know nothing about cars. But I, I popped the hood, and I literally put my hand on the battery to check something. I don't even know what I'm checking. I'm like, it's got to have to do with the battery, right? I know that much. And I put my hand on the battery, and literally sparks fly, and the dome light inside the car goes on. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and I uh, go try to start the car, and it starts right up. And I was like, man. Uh, and, and if I go back to Wesley's quadrilateral, I could go, okay, my reason might say, that, well, the battery maybe was just like loose and I just pushed it back into place. I, I don't know. All I know is that the Lord told us to honor the Sabbath. We did. Put my head on the battery and the car's back to life, all right? I'm hoping a similar thing happens with humans, right? Maybe not with the sparks part, but like, I, I just think there's a, there's a simple key both out of the rest that happened, that it wasn't out of some greatness that, you know, I accomplished or some massive risk that I took. I mean, it was, maybe it's a little risky to like let the car sit there longer. I don't know. But it just, it's a matter of hearing a tr and, and not, you guys, I'm like confidently stumbling along here, you know, 30 years into my apprenticeship to Jesus, just trying to hear his voice and be obedient. But listening to what he said, being obedient, and, and this shift occurs. Um, and, and the thing that I want to say to you really clearly is, is that you already hear his voice. And some of you hear his voice way more dynamically than ways that I'm, you know, describing today. But one of the most freeing things to me uh, when I began this journey was just realizing, oh, I already hear Holy Spirit, right? There's this language that's now being given to those, like, senses that I hear, the, the things that I feel in my, in, in my insides. I don't know what, I, what kind of language I would have used in the past. But, you know, one of the passages that became of great comfort to me through this was out of Acts 15 when the disciples, the early church, rather, are working through some hard issues. And this language they use, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. And I love that language that I put this back up here because I think it's a, it's a way that the early church is going, hey, you don't need to have just a mystical encounter, right, in order to say that you heard from God. They're recognizing, like, we have a part to play in this, like, in common sense, in, like, what we're kind of thinking and feeling. And also, there's this sense that, like, actually, Holy Spirit is into this, 
right? And they make their decision out of that like partnership with them and Holy Spirit. So one of the really simple ways that I've developed this in my life, and this is where it comes back to, I just want to give you tools to, to practice this as we all are. And that's the first one is just to practice journaling the voice of God. And this is something that began when I began to realize, oh, I already hear God. What I would do is literally write a question out in my journal, and then I would write the response that I felt like God was saying. And there's times where I still do this today. There's times where I go, that, there's no way that can be God, right? And there's other times I'm like, wow, this really feels like God. Um, but that, that uh, practice has really borne a lot of fruit in my life. And those who practice it, there's some people who practice that on a daily basis. Um, I've seen a real, like, acuteness to the voice and presence of God. It's a really simple thing you can do. Can I tell you one more story? I want to tell you one more story. I, I asked you, and then I said, I'm going to do it. Um, because back to that, this, like, supernaturally natural experience of Holy Spirit— and as I was prepping this, I remembered, again, maybe I was thinking about Kansas City, but I took a trip with some friends in Kansas City around that same time. We went to a conference in England, and we were at a conference. At the end of the conference, there was a table where there were some free books out, and you could kind of take, you know, whatever you wanted. And I like books, and so I was going through, and then I just kind of felt like I should only take one. So I grabbed one book, and I put it in my suitcase, and then I was traveling with two other friends, and we went... We spent some other time in Scotland on that trip. And so we're in Scotland at a different friend's house. And it's these two girls. And it's this night we're having uh, where we're just worshiping together. And we begin praying over them. There's, they had this unique friendship. It was a Scottish girl and American. And we were praying over them. And I've got the guitar. And I'm just kind of strumming along. And one of the guys starts. Uh, he, he says, I feel like we're supposed to pray for you guys. And he starts praying for them. And he, and he starts using this language about you guys are, you're, you're like prisoners, uh, but you're like prisoners of hope. He's like, I think that might be somewhere in the Bible or something, but you're like prisoners of hope. And he's declaring this out. And then this other guy who's in the corner over here is just kind of singing because I'm playing the guitar. And he's, he's kind of the wacky prophetic guy, right? They're all, they're all are always around. Uh, he's a very dear friend of mine. He'd be humbled by that description. And he's over in the corner, and he's, and he's bent, and he's kind of doing this, like, intense, you know, Lou Angle-style thing. And, he, and he's literally, he's not singing, he's singing out as, with my guitar playing, and he's not singing like, oh, we love you, Jesus, right? He's going, Zechariah, Zechariah 9-11. And it was, it was so random that I, like, I had my eyes closed, and I was like, and the other guy who was praying for the girls looked at me and was like, what? Right? But then, we're like, maybe we should look that up. We look it up, and let me see if I have it in my notes here. Uh, Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. We're like, whoa. Well, that, that seemed really funny, but it also seemed like Holy Spirit. And literally, in this moment, I'm like, oh my gosh. I just remembered something. I put down my guitar, and I go to the suitcase, and I pull out the one book that I had called Prisoners of Hope. And I'm like, pretty sure this is supposed to be yours. I'm not touching that thing, right? <laughs> and, and I just, the reason why I love it and why that story so stuck with me is both because of the friendship at play, right? And this like learning to hear Holy Spirit as a family. But then also the, there's these supernatural ways. There's the wackiness. There's just this like 
kind of sense, she's praying to something, and then there's just a real simple, practical, like, here's something you should have, right? And the way they all combine together just, just smells like Holy Spirit to me. It smells like teen spirit. That's good. I'll go somewhere. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so the last thing I want to just uh, close with is this, is this is one other tool that Marissa and I employ a lot. We've used this process this year to decide on travel plans, to decide on buying a couch or not, uh, to decide on where our kids go to school. We use this weekly at least, where we sit together and just try to simply hear God on some issues. Uh, and I just want to give it to you. And, and I think what we'll do is just kind of, if there's something that you're trying right now to hear Holy Spirit on or to discern in your, in your spirit, it may be connected to what's going on uh, with the coronavirus and a decision you have to make, or it might just be a simple thing like, do, should I go to Freddy's and get toilet paper today or not? I can already give you the answer on that. But, uh, Maybe pause for a second and just think, is there something that you want to hear Holy Spirit on? Is there a decision you have to make? And once you, once you have that decision, uh, what Marissa and I will do is we'll talk it out. We'll get everything off our chests. And then we'll just say, we'll commit out loud to surrendering our own will and getting rid of what is in us, right? Going, we just want to empty that. We want the ability to hear you clearly, Holy Spirit. And then we'll pose a yes or no question to God. So if it's like this really complicated issue, we'll find a way to bring it into a yes or no question, like should I go to Freddy's to get toilet paper? Okay? And then, then what I encourage you to do, step number three is wait. But, but don't wait a really crazy long time. Sometimes this is one of the things that we can uh, overcomplicate as believers, and we think it's more spiritual if you wait a longer amount of time. Sometimes it just messes with your brain more. It has, like, longer amounts of waiting have their place. But in a, in a, in a, in a method like this, I would encourage you to wait, like, less than a minute. Because oftentimes the first thing that you sense or feel is, is the right thing. And once you hear a yes or no, you ask for a confirmation, whether that be a scripture, a picture, a word, a memory, thought, whatever it is. You know, Marissa and I will wait for that yes or no, and then we'll ask for a confirmation. Uh, and then if there's agreement, if you're praying with someone— Great. We both heard yes. We've got a confirmation. We move on. If there's not, you just go, all right, let's pray again. And you repeat the process. And then if you get, if there's still like dissenting opinions or whatever, you just say, all right, we'll pause on it. All right. Holy Spirit must not want to talk to us about that right now and we'll move on and we'll come revisit it the next day or something like that. I can't tell you how much fruit this, this simple process has brought in our lives. And it's, and it's, taken what can be a really complicated situation at times and made it very simple. And it's been super strategic and informative for us, a really simple way to practice discerning God's will. All right. Why don't you stand with me, hey? And I just want to bless you with this. So I love this, uh, I, I love this prayer of Paul as he closes out 2 Corinthians. And I think these descriptors of the Trinity are so appropriate. And as we talk about each of them, but with special attention to the Holy Spirit today, I just want to declare over you, church, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the friendship of Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen? Amen. Come on. So good. Yeah. So, so good.
All right, put your hand on your hearts real quick. I just want to come to agreement. Yeah. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you dwell within us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you love the Father and the Son. That love that's in us is actually the fruit of being close to you. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say wild hope. Wild hope. Lord, you have chosen to label this season over Northgate as a season of wild hope. And so, Lord, I agree with the Apostle Paul's prayer over us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, I just proclaim over you, you are dispensers of hope this week. You are dispensers of hope.